Welcome to The Listen, a podcast by me, Abby Gibson, and me, Charlie Perry. Every week we share our observations and obviously over-analysis from pop culture, current affairs, and our own lives. Obviously, (laughs) it's the podcast because we have really big feelings about the things that matter and even bigger feelings about the things that don't, which in turn I think are more important. Yes, (laughs) they are. The thing is, if you don't sweat the small stuff, then... What's the saying? I've forgotten it. Don't know. But I'm picking up what you're putting down. (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. Abby, I am absolutely in my element thrilled because the Traitors is back. Oh my God. And it's so good. It's really good. We'd both had a conversation. We were a bit worried about the Traitors because when a show has such an incredible first season... It's a lot to live up to, isn't it? And yeah. I'm so happy that it's actually, it's all, it acknowledged it on the first episode, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And I do feel like, and please, while we're having this conversation, there may be spoiler, there is a spoiler I'm about to say. I mean, when this episode goes live, we should be six episodes into The Traitor and yeah. currently three at the time of recording this. Episodes go live Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Uh, We're on week one, basically. Yeah, we're on week one. And one thing that I think that everybody was worried about was the predictability of things, such as there being family members in there. Yeah. Boyfriend and girlfriend. And they've obviously gone and done that this time with Diana Ross. Oh my God. (laughs) It really, oh wait, Diana and Ross. Do you think she did that no. on purpose? She's a bit of a... <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even put that together. Diana no. Ross. For context, I am saying Diane and Ross. And in the traitors this year, they are mother and son. The thing that they've done really well is that Diane has a Northern Irish accent and Ross doesn't. I think, I don't know where it's, it's like got an English accent. And one thing I do want to discuss with you is that we would never have guessed them, but the producers have obviously been like, we're hoping that people have forgotten that we did like a secret relationship somewhere within the traitors and the, mm. the contestants. But also like the level of involvement from a production point of view, it would be so hard to be a producer on the traitors oh, because yeah. as a like member of staff who is working to make the show, you also have to keep it a secret who the traitors are. And I think that's one thing that people yeah. might not think about, but obviously they said that Paul, who is a traitor, sorry, spoiler, alongside the Diane and Ross mother and and son thing. I wonder how much involvement they had with saying, don't you think that Paul and Diane look like each other? You know, just to get that conversation going so that it was a Mm. way for them to reveal it. It was such a good reveal though. Mm. Like me and Dan were like, literally my husband, Dan, we were screaming. And then what's so funny is that like later on in the episode, he starts like slagging off his mum's roasts. (laughs) And and Diane's like, oh, you'll have to come to dinner at mine. (laughs) Honestly, I loved that. I was like, oh my God. You do kind of wish that you could do that to somebody, don't you? That if you could do that, you would but it was it was so cleverly done and I really enjoyed it but I do feel like that's an element that I think we were worried about feeling predictable yet it's not Mm -hmm. felt that way in in practice or reality and I love that it's so great because I was also worried about the fact that once you've seen the show and this happens I think on every reality show once you've seen it you think you can go in and you know exactly what to do and that's not what we want as an audience we want that like freshness and that like you said unpredictability we don't want you to know how to play the game yeah and I think casting wise they've nailed it again because it's such like a broad range of people none of them seem 
media trained at all. I mean, if you've seen episode three and seen Brian have an absolute meltdown <laughs> on the round Why table. Why the hell did he do that? <laughs> I felt so bad for him. Cause like as someone who like, you know, plays with anxiety sometimes, I kind of get it. And it's one, of, do you know what it is? You know, when you're having an argument and you know, in the moment you've realized that you're wrong, but you're like, but I'm arguing now and I'm angry and I have to go through it. <laughs> I feel like it was like that. He was like, I've no fucked up, but like, I have to like stick with what I'm trying to do. <laughs> I have to continue. Yeah, that was, that was a real blooper, I think, from him. I, I don't, there is a, there is a, actually a Traitors podcast this year, I think, yeah. which follows on, which you'll be, so, I'm going to listen to that. When I heard it was coming out, I was like, oh, I've never really kind of engaged with that apart from the Succession podcast that came mm. out. But I think I will listen to it because um, last year with Traitors, obviously I was not watching it live. I watched it and I was late <laughs> to the party because that's my brand. That's what you <laughs> uh, do. But this year I'm watching it live and so I'm really excited about it. But we've been left on a good cliffhanger. But regardless mm. of all of that, that's not why I brought this up. Because over Christmas, I bought the Traitors board game. Oh my god! I've been, oh I've been desperate to play. Is it good? It is fucking brilliant. Like it's <laughs> it's so fun, and and I don't really want to kind of. It's quite complex when you're starting out. There's a lot of instructions, but you each have like a little mask, and there's like the board in the middle which mimics the table that they all sit around at the round table. <laughs> You've got challenges you have to complete. There's a trade that have got their own mini challenges that they've got to complete. And I hope that they do expansion packs on it because there's basically six scenarios. So six games you can play. And I hope that I can buy like another six and another six and another six yeah. to make sure I can keep playing and not knowing like what we've got to do. It's really immersive. It's really dynamic. And I really recommend it. The only downside it's got is that it's a minimum four player. So like oh. you have, for me and my boyfriend who want to play it, we have to have people come around. And also I'm from a family of four and my dad just does not entertain playing board games. Like the only oh. game he'll play is frustration, which is hilarious. But we what? couldn't play it because he didn't want to play. And I was like, you know what? For somebody who doesn't want to play board games, this is a very complex one to have to play. Um, yeah. But it's great. I highly recommend it. Do you know, the thing is though, is that when I watch the traitors, I'm constantly there. Like I could not do this. Like mm. I feel like I would be like Brian and I'd be yeah. losing my absolute shit, but not even just at the round table, just constantly because I can't bear the whole lying. And I, I've played a few board games that like, where there is like a liar, like a traitor. Yeah. And I crumble every single time. <laughs> For God's sake, you're so compassionate. <laughs> I know. It's weird because I'm so competitive, but in games like that, I just cannot bear it. Yeah. To be fair, the competitiveness really gets to me. I wasn't a traitor, but it was quite hard for the person that was a traitor, I think. Yeah. So yeah, if you see the board game, go and get it. I think it was like £25. It was great. So I'm heading to your neck of the woods you are. Uh, very soon, Charlie. You are. You're coming down to the big smoke. So for anybody who is unaware... I'm in London in our London office and Abby is in our Manchester office, which is where we kind of started the business. Mm. Uh, it was kind of building the team up there. So you often get the train down, don't you, Abby? And uh, we record yeah. the, the listen, me here and you there. Hopefully makes no impact on the final product. I think it makes it better. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're coming out of the big smoke, which to be honest, yeah. we've had logistical nightmares. If we think transport in Manchester is bad, just come to Mate. London. Honestly, and it was a bit of a stress because obviously there was tube strikes supposed to be all this week, 
which I literally can't even fathom because like I, I just I just can't I don't understand how anyone gets around anywhere. no it's it's a well the, the obviously the problem is is nobody has cars in London so you yeah. just, you've you ha- you rely fully on the tube so when there's a strike it's like a really big deal it's like a road closure essentially and you're like mm. right okay how am I going to get around that for like um, five days as well it was like what Sunday night till Friday no Monday till Monday. Friday morning yeah and then it got called off and I was like I want to snog whoever it is that's just done the deal that's made that called off. But do you know what it made me think? I was, obviously, we have some shoots. The reason you're coming down is because you're going to be recording some podcasts down here. And um, I record podcasts down here all the time. I get there on the tube. And you know what really makes me laugh? I've been like pranging out all weekend thinking, how am I going to get to here, there, how long does it take in the car? I have no idea. And then I was like, what really makes me laugh is posh people in London mm. who don't get the tube. Like this makes no difference to them. So like, congratulations. Cause yeah, great. Like you can either get a good taxi everywhere or you drive everywhere. Yeah. Good for you. But one thing that it made me realize was that, you know, when like you, people see celebs on the tube, yeah. Rihanna was on the tube in, in 2011, if you remember. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. She got the tube so, to her gig. Which I completely <laughs> understand, by the way, because it's like, you know, celebs are tourists too. They want to yeah. see what it's like. Have they the want to live a normal experience. life. Yeah. Exactly. So what it made me think was like, sometimes I'll get to shoot and I'm like, oh my God, the, the tube was a nightmare, wasn't it? And they'd be like, oh no, I, I got a car. And I'd be like, oh yeah, of course, like you're an A-lister, whatever. But then what it did make me think was the other way around, the celebs that you do see on the tube, I think earn more respect. Oh yeah. If you have the choice not to, why would yeah. you? <laughs> I assume that they would have the money to not have to get on the tube. Yeah. But then it did also on the flip side of that made me think that, it's a really good way to get good PR being seen on a tube. Yes, because like you seem very like down to earth of the people. Yeah. Like I, I do think that like, I, I think a lot of people do try and memify themselves these days. But if you <laughs> like happen to become a meme, it's not a bad thing. No. But then again, like you said, is it always genuine? So you think people are popping on the tube for a photo op? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like those things where it's like, are you really... X insert status if you don't X post it on social media (laughs) or whatever (laughs) yeah do do you know what exactly and do you know right I actually saw something like um this weekend which was so you know how Ben Affleck speaking of someone who's memified himself there's so many pictures of Ben Affleck you know stood (laughs) outside stood outside his apartment smoking a cigarette looking like he wants to die and I'm like you're married to Jennifer Lopez have some respect why do you look so bloody tired why do you look so miserable Ben yeah Ben not only are you married to Jennifer Lopez you married the second time to Jennifer Lopez you married her twice she came back you lucky bastard there's a new one of Ben Affleck looking like he wants to hate his life but I just don't accept that it's true and then after a quick google I'm even more certain that this is a bloody ad for Dunkin' Donuts. This is basically him, again, like outside, carrying four boxes of Dunkin' Donuts and like tripping over and like dropping them. So people do actually think it's an ad. But if it isn't, I've actually got two thoughts. If that's an ad, I hate that. That should That is feels very like sly because it's like posed as like a, a paparazzi picture. And now you're trying to sell me donuts. And then two, if it's real, 
Stop. Get a grip. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. It actively I... makes me want to not eat Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably the worst ones anyway. Why do American people love, love Dunkin' Donuts so much? They're so trash. If you're American, please let us know. If you like Dunkin' Donuts, please let us know. Yeah. Let us know what, what the attraction is. I've just Googled this and it says that he was in an ad alongside Charlie D'Amelio. What happened to her? I feel like she's on the like, latest season of Dancing with the Stars. Oh. She was a dancer before the TikTok, before she became a TikTok sensation, right? She was, she was. But anyway, yeah, I'm just, do you know what? If it is an ad, it should have said hashtag ad. I think he's... <laughs> Here she is, the ASA's <laughs> arrived. <laughs> I am the ASA. <laughs> Right, I've got my opinion piece for the week, Abby. Give it to me. I feel as though it'll either, one, really upset you, or two, be like, thank God somebody said it. I think this is an equal amount controversial as it is, please get a grip and be aware of yourself. <laughs> Have my opinion. <laughs> exactly. So a couple of weeks ago, I saw a comment somewhere online, and I'm really sorry, I can't remember where it is, but a successful woman, a businesswoman, had shared that she had a nanny, and she said it in a very like blase way. Somebody had asked her a question to do with parenting. And I am also just going to caveat, I don't have children, but I am a business founder and I do have an understanding of absolutely nowhere near the level of this woman, but I have an understanding of, you know, like the pressures and, and how much time you have and the, and the way it feels to kind of be responsible, not only for work, but everything else in your life. And if there's two small children or three or however many, then that's, incredibly important but I'd seen somebody kind of making a comment about how out of touch this woman was for having a nanny and essentially I think the the problem is is that she was saying in a very blase relaxed rolls off the tongue manner uh, I have help from like a couple of family members but I also have a nanny so that's like how mm. I manage to run my business and have a family and yeah. people were going for her because she's just so naturally said that she had a nanny and it was almost like the point they were making was that they weren't able to provide solid advice from a business point of view or from a motherhood point of view because she had a nanny and it yeah. really annoyed me because the person that's out of touch in this situation is not the one with the nanny the person out of touch is the person making the comment about the fact that she has a nanny and that she shouldn't be talking about it kind of as clearly I think to be honest I don't think I'd had as much deep thought about the topic before because currently I'm reading a book by Cheryl Sandberg that's called Lean In so it's women work and the will to lead and within the first kind of I would say 20 pages Cheryl basically explains that we've gone through this like transition as women at work where we have our like 1.0 version, which is where women were expected to not have a job, provide for the family. It was frowned upon to kind of be working because it would insinuate that your husband wasn't earning enough money for him to be able to support the family. So it's like a big egotistical misogynistic thing. Then 2.0 is like women now having full-time jobs and mm. being successful at work. But the, the issue here is that they also want to have a family and it's incredibly hard to be able to do that yeah. while kind of progressing at work. And like 3.0 lies in this type of, having this type of conversation where we're saying, okay, well, like, yes, a woman wants to be successful at work. She wants to progress in her career. Yes, she wants to have a family. That's, that's unsustainable for a lot of people. 
and for a multitude of reasons, it might not be doable for a woman to do that. But if she wants to, and she's got the ambition to, and she feels like it's important for her to do that, then I don't understand why there's this conversation that nannies feels like a really out of touch, not relatable thing. First of all, if she can afford a nanny because she's built a business that is providing her amount of money to be able to have a nanny, then it's nobody else's business. But I just think the narrative of having a nanny being out of touch is unfair. And there's a lot of people I've spoken with or I've been in the same room with who have nannies and they'll never say a single thing publicly about mm. it because they don't want to come across as as not being relatable or it not like yeah. it or it almost makes them less because they have a nanny which I think is just such a dangerous narrative totally and the thing is is though is it's not relatable a nanny is for someone who has a certain amount of disposable income and mm. of and that that is why like people won't be open about it because they won't seem relatable down to earth it will seem like you know a lot of people are always criticized for being like you said it's out of touch it's upper to middle class you know however the reason it's not relatable is because being a mother in this day and age in this country is practically impossible even if you don't work yeah. The women are being priced out of the economy yeah. because childcare is far too expensive. So your option is to give up your job and then do full-time childcare and then you're down to one income. If if you have a partner, mm. you could you could be a single mum and have nothing and then you have to go on benefits, which doesn't cover the cost of a child. No. Or, well, I mean, actually, there kind of isn't an or. Yeah. Things are getting better. A, a brilliant person to follow about all of this is Anna Whitehouse, mother pucker. Mm. She is doing incredible work. And then there's also an account called Pregnant Then Screwed. Oh. To caveat, again, I don't have children, but I follow a lot of accounts like this no but that's a good thing I think that's yeah that's like it, it doesn't really like you don't have to directly relate to mm. someone I think to be honest I think you're a very compassionate person anyway but you don't have to follow somebody that is just like you to be able no. to understand or find them interesting no of course and the laws are getting better in that now when a child is like uh, I don't know, like nine months or something, you can get like 15 hours free childcare. Mm. And I think the threshold, like the salary threshold for that is actually quite high. So oh, like it? you like you and me would probably actually like fit into that. Oh, it's not great. it's not for like lower earning. It's very much for like people who can't afford childcare. Yeah, yeah. Which is oh, like no everyone. Idea. The sad thing is, is that I totally understand where these people are coming from when they say it's out of touch. Don't necessarily agree with them because yeah. it kind of gets to my point is that We're not going to get anywhere if as women, if as mothers, if as parents, we are tearing each other down for doing something that if you had the money, you would do yourself. You're not proving anything by suffering. No, exactly. That is such a good point. I think Candice um, always says that on Closet. Like, Mm. you don't have to suffer for it to be valid and I know she's yeah. saying it in a very different way she's saying it like as a black woman you don't have to suffer for your success to be valid yes. but it's the same thing and also I don't think people think about the fact that maybe you're a single parent and you don't have any other options for childcare. so a nanny is there or maybe they're not at nursery yet or whatever it like the, the, there's a multitude of reasons as I said earlier but if you don't have a choice because you have to invest so much time in your career to be able to see success and therefore obviously pay yourself Mm. then that's a a way in which you can't really say I'm not going to do my job 
because it, it, it you have to to be able to get your income but the yeah. other idea is that if we flip this the other way around and we say okay well the woman works and the man has to stop working so much this also isn't a solution because if their lifestyle requires X amount of money to be able to look after themselves and their children and have a roof over their head and have a meal at the dinner table every night, yeah. then it's probably cheaper to get a nanny than it is for the man to stop working. Like it yeah. works both ways. Like it's not conducive to solving a problem by saying that somebody having a nanny is out of touch. I just think it's 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 such an out of touch thing to say that somebody who has a nanny is out of touch. Exactly. It's incredibly unfair. The problem is that people's attitudes towards mothers and I, do you know what? I think that's the problem. I don't no. think there's anything else. I think because it's even like the fear of having children, meaning that you have to like put a hold in your career and how difficult it is to get back into work. Like that scares me. I know yeah. you're literally my boss, but I, I'm scared of that. No, but the, no, but exactly. But the thing is, is that I'm going to go out there and say as a childless woman, I'm pretty sure that the majority of women that I know, if they could have a nanny, they would have one. I Absolutely. Yes. And I'm pretty sure like it literally takes a village. And I can say this like knowing as a childless woman that this happens because I have many family members who have babies and they're like my aunties, my uncles, my grandparents are all looking after these, like their great grandchildren or whatever it is. And also as myself being from Doncaster, if I want to have children, I don't have any family here. Like no, if no I, local, it would either yeah. mean me moving back up north which is something I would happily do but not right now if I mm. got pregnant and decided to keep it I would have nobody here to be able to support me from my family that could look after the kid while I work yeah um, and as a business founder that's really scary and th those are the things you seriously have to think about and also mm. again is why so many people are choosing not to have children because yeah. logistically and cost financially they can't. Yeah. yeah I just think that this is something that isn't really being said to motherless women or yeah. within like a general conversation, I still feel like the conversation about nannies is if you've got a nanny and you want to seem relatable, stay quiet. If you want a nanny and you're going to say it out loud, you're going to get shit. And I, I think yeah. it's so unfair. It is. And it is totally unfeminist to have that attitude. Yeah. Oh, and just as a reminder, the book Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg is phenomenal. If you don't want to have children and you are a woman who wants to get ahead in a career, you're ambitious, you want to go out there and smash it. I've, like I said, I've read like 20 pages and it's brilliant. Love that. Highly recommend. We love Cheryl. Cheryl with a S. We love you, Cheryl. <laughs> Golden Globes. Golden Globes. Love it. <laughs> love it. Yeah, so we're kind of combining our pop culture and trending topic as last night, as um, we are recording, was the Golden Globes, the 2024 Golden Globes. I literally had no idea that this was happening. <laughs> Honestly, I don't, I was on social last night as well and I just feel like I'm, I'm not in the awards ceremony calendar thing, mm. but it was only made evident to me that the Oscars were coming up because Molly, our production coordinator, booked off either was it the day after the oscars it's the day after so molly and her boyfriend every year stay up and watch the oscars they both did media degrees and like so i think they're so into their film 
And she didn't last year. She didn't book it off and she really regretted it. So. Yeah, she was tired. But what what an iconic thing to do, booking an annual leave day because you're watching the Oscars. Stunning. She's such a legend. I love her for it. <laughs> I don't do that. I just wake up first thing and I, you know, catch up in my own time because mm-hmm. I, I go to bed very early. So uh, yeah, last night was the Golden Globes, which kind of like kicks off award season, really. Yeah. It's the first one and it's like the start of the Oscar race. Right, because okay. The Academy Awards are, you know, they're the kind of pinnacle. That's what everyone is aiming towards. You can win a Golden Globe, which is great, lovely. Mm -hmm. But if you're in film, you want the Oscar. Right. And the Golden Globe is almost like a tally chart. So if you think back to last year, Ki Hoi Kwan, who was in Everything Everywhere All at Once, won Best Supporting Actor in basically all of the awards leading up to the Oscars. So everyone was like, he's He's going to win win an Oscar. Oscar. And he did. Oh, great. Then, I thought you were going to say he didn't. I was like, oh, shit. No. That was... Whereas with the Best Actress Award, it was like a race between Michelle Yeoh and Kate Blanchett. And oh. Kate, I think, won a lot of them, which meant that statistically it should have gone to Kate, but Michelle Yeoh won. And obviously it is because it's all voted by different people. Oscars are voted by members of the Academy, which are your peers. It's like the actors, it's everyone who's working on film. Whereas Mm -hmm. the Golden Globes is voted by the Hollywood Foreign Press, which is exactly what it sounds like. Right. Oh, so it's like film journalists and from across the world. Across the world, Oh, yes. duh, Golden Globes. God, I literally have no idea with this. I watch a film and I'm like, yay. And that's great. <laughs> I know you don't have to see it that way. <laughs> Somebody once said to me that the Killers of the Flower Moon, which is what I'd spoken about in a previous episode of The Listen, felt like it was just a race to get a Oscar-worthy line in to win an award. And I was like, yeah, I, I just didn't get that. I didn't get that vibe or that feeling. I just, I didn't watch films like that. Totally. Yeah, there's a thing called like Oscar bait films, which maybe we can talk about in another episode. Um, Off the back of the Oscars. Let's do that. So um, speaking of Killers of the Flower Moon, Lily Gladstone, who was the lead actress in that, she won actress in a drama motion picture. Yeah, she needed to win that. I still haven't seen it. I think it was a debut. Yeah, yeah. She's like very green. Yeah, incredible. So yeah, the Golden Globes is quite interesting because it celebrates both film and TV in the same award ceremony. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to touch on like um, across the board. And it's also famously a very drunken event. Love um, that. Wow, a lot of okay. people get drunk. Um, I think one of the most important highlights is that the host, um, a comedian called Joe Coy, who I'd never heard of, um, he was a last minute booking. He was booked oh. like 10 days ahead and his monologue absolutely bombed. No. Hang on a second. It's the Golden Globes. Why are they choosing somebody last minute to host it? Well, so the Golden Globes has had a bit of like controversial history over the last like couple years. So if you remember in 2022, the ceremony wasn't televised because oh, everyone yeah. was boycotting it because of the lack of diversity with the membership, with the people voting. Right. The way that you're going with this is making this sound worse that they've left it last minute. So the problem is, is that they knew that in 2022, they couldn't, show and televise the Golden Globes because it was being boycotted for not being diverse enough. Diverse, yes. So what they should have done is in 2022 been like, we've got a year to sort our shit out and book somebody that's going to be amazing. There was there was. Oh my God, it's 2024. (laughs) That is so bad. I know. That is awful. I don't know what exactly happened, but the thing is, is that 
I think they, it was an absolute blunder with who they picked to host. And the, his jokes were just really bad. And what he did, and I think as, I don't think you need to be a comedian to know this, but one of his first jokes was, when the Globes called me and asked if I wanted to host, I jumped at the chance. Then they asked me if I saw the movies and TV show and I said, yes, I lied. So you've literally just stood in front of these people who are in all of these shows that they and films that they feel so passionate about and said you didn't watch them, oh, so you've lost them. But then this is you're, bad. You're going to really hate this one, right? Oh, um, so I've, I've noted a few other jokes, but actually I won't bore you with them because they are. I mean, they just sound n- great, but they're making me wince. No, they're not funny. Like you could say, but you'll hate this one, right? So Oppenheimer and Barbie obviously weren't in like the same film category, but they were in, there was a new new categories created called Best Cinematic and Box Office Achievement category. So they're obviously against each other there. Yeah. And so when he was comparing the films, he said, Oppenheimer is based on the 721 page Pulitzer Prize winning book about the Manhattan Project. And Barbie is about a plastic doll with big boobies. Oh. <laughs> Oh my fucking like God. actually fuck off. <laughs> I have so much to say. There's, the there's whole not enough time. Fucking film. <laughs> the whole film is literally exists because of jokes and comments like that. Oh my yeah. God. So it was an absolute dive and i don't think he'll be invited back this is no but this is this pisses me off for so many reasons because obviously from the conversation we've had i am not the kind of person who gets like massively into films if i enjoy one i'll research it i'll like really get into it such as barbie because of the flower moon oppenheimer that sort of thing from a point of view of somebody who just enjoys watching films and enjoys going to the cinema i have no idea when it comes to stuff like this which is why i enjoy having conversations about it the problem i've got here is that even i with this tiny amount of knowledge is getting pissed off that i've just been having a look while you were shouting at tess we had a quick pause um (laughs) joe coy is a filipino american comedian a last minute pick two weeks before the ceremony as you'd said that pisses me off because the Golden Globes have more responsibility to do more research than booking somebody in the last minute to go and do that. The second thing is... It does make is, you wonder what happened, but yeah, sorry, Exactly. On. I wonder either somebody's been booked and then they had to pull out or whatever it might have been. That's just kind of, I suppose I'm theorizing, so that might not have happened. But the, the point is, is that the opportunity needed to go to somebody who wasn't a white man. So they've gone yeah. and done that but they've not given it to somebody who actually cares about having the job. By and the doesn't care about it. film and, and it doesn't, TV. Yeah, it doesn't, the amount of people who would literally do anything to be the host of the Golden Globes who would have done an incredible job, I'm sure the list is fucking endless. And it's now just been given to somebody who's just like, oh yeah, cool, I'll do it. What? Honestly, Charlie, the thing that does offend me the most is that it just was not funny. You're allowed to like gently roast people at award shows. Like it's always fun when they do that. Like even when you look at like when Ricky Gervais hosted it, he loves, he loved being like super controversial. Mm. I love him or hate him. He was a good host because he knew how to do it. Like he, at that point in his career, he knew what he was doing. But let me, I'll just give you one more joke, which just shows how unfunny he is, which is, Succession has nine nominations, a great series about a rich, white, dysfunctional family, all scheming. Oh no, that's the crown. Sorry. 
Oh, for God's sake. It's just, it's just not funny. No. It just isn't funny. It's not funny, but also, do we have to give him, and I'm not defending him, because I completely, I find his jokes, from what I've heard, offensive. <laughs> do we not need to cut him some slack? Because he had two minutes to write an entire Golden Globes skit. The poor guy. I thought the writer's strike was over. Where were all the writers? <laughs> To be fair though, maybe that was why they couldn't book someone because everyone was Mm. just like, I'm not entertaining any conversation. I'm on strike. They lasted a long time and I'm not here defending him because he's not done a good enough job in my opinion. There would have been much many other people that would have been better than him. Yeah, exactly. God, what a shame. I know. After all of that, honestly, I took like, what a shit show. What a shame. How to bomb the absolute gig of your life is by Joe Coy. Um, but oh. I just want to share some highlights with you from it. So Oppenheimer absolutely sweeped it. Won, Love that. Like best picture. I think he won best director. Um, Killian Murphy won best actor and was covered in lipstick because his wife was like kissing him like oh. <laughs> before he went home. Love that. Barbie, Billie Eilish won best original song. Um, but in terms of anything else, I don't think it won, but it did win of uh, it did win the box office achievement award as it should. Yeah. And I do think that people do need to be prepared that Barbie isn't going to win as, as many awards as we think it deserves just yeah. because of who it's against. Comedy films never do as well. I'm hoping that it might pick up a screenplay award somewhere, a nod for Greta somewhere. Yeah, for I was going to say, I, I am slightly confused by why Greta didn't win Best Director. Oh, women never win. Never, but that's, that's win. what I mean. I'm slightly like, it's almost like there has to be a number for a woman to win mm something like that or it has to be like you have broken a record which is a like a hard fact that you cannot argue with it can't be subjective for a woman to win it has to be objective Objective. like okay you've surpassed this x number that a previous incredibly well-renowned film has done and therefore now you win the award I did also read in the Sheryl Sandberg book sorry to go back to that she says I've got it here a 2011 McKinsey report noted that men are promoted based on potential while women are promoted based on past accomplishments and I think that actually sounds really quite true there and I've seen both films again I'm not the kind of person who's like oh this person directed this but I do think with Barbie it was like so in the general public's conversation about the film that she had directed it and all the incredible things that she'd done with Margot and and her team. Exactly, yeah. That's a shame. I think maybe we'll revisit once all of the awards are done and we can tally it up, but I think that we all need to be prepared to be disappointed unfortunately. It was a great year for film though. Yeah, it was a great year for film and Oppenheimer was absolutely phenomenal yeah it was amazing yeah it was but damn barbie i know over to the tv stuff succession obviously swept as we would hope slay Um, slay slay (laughs) sarah snook won um best actress in a drama matthew mcfadden faden fadian fadian um it was mcfadden we'll go with that i have no idea he won best supporting actor yeah and then so a race i was particularly interested in was for best leading actor because it was between jeremy strong who plays what the hell is his name kendall (laughs) kieran culkin who plays roman brian cox who plays logan and it's like mate you're in like three episodes (laughs) but then also some other actors 
but Pedro Pascal in The Last of Us. Oh, I was going to say, Pedro Pascal was not in Succession. <laughs> no, this is important. I promise you it's important. Because the way, obviously, the voting works, mm. a lot of people thought that the Succession vote would be split and yeah. therefore Pedro would win as a bit of an upset. Right, okay. I think, like, public favour wanted Kieran to win. Yeah. But then thought it might, yeah, everyone thought it might go to Pedro because of the split vote. Kieran Culkin did win. <gasps> very Love deservedly he was, he was honestly in that final scene when you think of him in the funeral episode oh my god oh my god i literally just got goosebumps thinking about yeah, it yeah just incredible yeah. um i am a big fan of pedro pascal i love him and one day he will win his award but what was so funny is that in kieran's speech he says obviously jokingly he goes suck it pedro <laughs> No, that wasn't Kieran. That was that was that was Roman. That was Roman. <laughs> <laughs> and I love I love that nod to it because yeah, I think everyone did, and I think including oh. Kieran thought it was going to go that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think also I'm quite biased because I've not seen the whole of Last of Us, but Pedro was incredibly good in in the Last of oh. Us from what I had seen. He was amazing, and it like it was such a turning moment for him. Of like really showing his chops. Yeah. And I'm so excited to see what he does next. Yeah. Um, but Kieran absolutely deserved that award. Oh, totally. And it's also like Succession is over. I, I assume The Last of Us isn't going to have another series. I'm sure it's limited. It might do. But it, I'm just like, oh, what a way to close off Succession. Exactly. So, so bloody deserved. And then my final... Oh, oh no. And then The Bear... The Bear obviously won Best Comedy and Jeremy Allen White won Best Actor oh. and um, Iowa Debris won Best Supporting Actress and for me had the best speech because she thanked all of her managers and agents' assistants. Oh my God. they're the ones that reply to her emails. Oh my God. What an absolute fucking angel. She's a queen. My queen. That reminds me, I saw a video that was... Um, uh, on LinkedIn but it was like Micah Richards who's a football player he used to play for Man City and now he's like a, put, a football pundit and he was just like they were asking if the footballers bought Christmas presents for each other and he was like do I fuck buy Christmas presents for the people on thousands of pounds a week I buy Christmas presents for like the catering staff at the club I buy, I would buy oh. Christmas presents for like the desk person the one like the cleaners the ones the kit men like all the people that aren't getting thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds a week like it's the there's there's no such thing as like a small you know like this everybody yeah. is so deserving and I love that they've got the little they've got a little shout out I know it was so so stunning um so the Golden Globes was a big old romp except for the absolute dead opening monologue yeah oh. We'll forget about that. So we have the Critics' Choice Awards on the 14th of Jan. BAFTAs are on the 18th of Feb. And the Oscars are on the 10th of March. Great. And that is where the Barbieheimer <laughs> will come to a close, to its oh, peak. <laughs> this is when everybody falls out. Yeah. Um, we don't know the nominations yet, so that'll be really, really exciting. But yeah, I love this time of year because in terms of like UK cinema releases, this is when um, the majority of the Oscar films get released. Mm. So I re I'm really excited to see, I'm hoping to go see Poor Things with Emma Stone this yeah. weekend. Yeah, yeah. And you need to watch Saltburn. Oh my God, I'm sorry. I know I was supposed to watch it last night in, ahead of this. I just, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just not, I'm not, up to date at all you will 
You will have so much to say on Saltburn. We'll get you there because we need to, we'll find a middle ground that's good for both of us. Yeah, it's funny because when I do watch it, I'm going to come back and be like, oh my God. I know. I and know. have so much to say and nobody will care apart from me. I'll care. I'll obviously care. <laughs> well, um, I'd like to apologize if you heard any barking in the background. And I wonder if you can identify the moment that will be cut where I <laughs> screamed my head off. Send us a message and see if you notice my change of demeanor at any point. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually me barking. <laughs> oh my god for fuck's sake. anyway thank you so much for listening all of our social links are in the bio i will also put a link in the show notes for lean in by Sheryl sandberg i think it's a really good book for it's also very small which i appreciate it's not like a thick book but it's really good if you are an ambitious woman so yes this podcast has been produced by astrid productions the podcast network that puts women first yeah the executive producers are abby gibson and charlie perry editing by abby gibson and the brilliant adam briffer video editing by lauren howie who's in mexico at the moment Woo! <laughs> and production coordination by molly sainty aka tired from the oscars <laughs> aka jeremy allen white's wannabe wife aka <laughs> yeah the one who takes a day's annual leave for the for the oscars which is just iconic you can get in touch and send us a little love letter there is a 50 pound glass set voucher up for grabs if you head to the show notes click the link you will automatically be submitted into the competition if you send us a nice little note see you next time thanks for listening bye, bye.